Welcome to another podcast episode of DIY Guitar Making. I also produce video episodes of DIY Guitar Making live in the workshop. To find both the podcasts and the videos all in one place, go to DIYGuitarMaking.com. You can even subscribe to the email list there to receive new episodes, both the videos and the podcasts, directly in your inbox as they come out. Again, that's DIYGuitarMaking.com. And with that, let's get to the show. Let's answer some questions. Okay, and actually, I only have two questions here, and then I have a couple of comments from you guys, um, tips really, from the audience about guitar making. So that's you guys giving your perspectives and advice and me just helping to disseminate that. That's great. All right, so let's get started. We'll do the questions first. The first question here comes from Noopy Noopitons. Hi, Eric. Question about the book matching. Is there a reason to join the top or back along the edge corresponding to the heartwood slash inner portion of the log or the sapwood slash outer region of the log. I seem to remember that mandolins are joined along the exterior edge. What about guitars? Can both joins be done? Okay, so to answer this question, I actually went over to my shelf back there and grabbed one of my joined soundboards here. And ideally what you want is the tightest grain lines towards the center. Now, generally what that actually means is the inner portion closer to the sapwood because that's where you're going to have the tighter grain lines. And as you can see, um, this is pretty rough cut, so maybe it's hard to see on the camera, but these grain lines get wider as we go towards the edge. The main vibrational portion of the soundboard is towards the bridge area in the lower bout. So the edges are going to be less active, so we're not as concerned about the grain lines being tight. Also, as we get further out towards the uh, outer edge, as you called it, the degree to which this is quarter sawn is going to drift off of quarter sawn and become just a little bit more rift sawn out towards those edges. Now, the tight grain line thing is really something that's important for the soundboard. For the back, it's not really a concern. Generally what I do for the back and generally what most or all luthiers do for the back is just choose aesthetically. So sometimes on the sapwood side, you'll actually have a little bit of sapwood on say a uh, cool piece of zero coat or rosewood or something like that. And I'll actually like to put that sapwood right in the center. So I'll have like a cool pale white stripe down the center of the guitar. But if you like it the other way and it actually can look kind of cool the other way. You could flip that around and put the sapwood out towards the edges. It's really up to you. It's an aesthetic thing for the back. But for the top, well, I mean, you could do it the other way. Say if there was a big knot or just some defect on the inner area where the tight grain lines are, 
Sure, like this knot right here, if that was in here, I would kind of be forced to flip this thing around and do it that way. But um, yeah, I think that's really the main criteria on the soundboards is getting that tight, those tight grain lines towards the inside. Uh, I don't really think about it in terms of inner and outer edge. I just look at the tightness of the grain lines and how quarter sawn it is and whether or not I'm drifting off of quarter sawn, which is again, typically what you see as you go to that outside edge. Uh, another thing though to look for is parallel grain versus converging grain. So when you're jointing this, you might find that one side as opposed to the other, the grain lines are actually coming in and converging. So then when you cut that joint, you would see those grain lines coming in like a V and disappearing at the joint. Aesthetically, it's, it's okay, but it's not all that desirable because it reveals the joint. And uh, more importantly, it actually makes the joining process a little bit more difficult because the areas where that V connects and those grain lines connect, because the grain line is right at the edge there, it's actually a little bit harder than the wood, the white wood between the grain lines. And so when you're jointing this, you will likely actually find that it's harder to get a nice clean joint without selectively planing in certain areas simply because those converging areas, they plane differently than the parallel areas. So best thing is to use for ease of jointing to use the most parallel grain you can get. Next question. That was a really good question, by the way. That's why I picked that one. Um, I haven't been asked that in a long time, and uh, I sometimes forget what is top of mind for a lot of builders out there, and that is the kind of question that comes up usually very early in the process for a you know first-time build. So thank you. Next question. Next question is from Walter Ryder. I love getting questions from Walter. Actually, I'm sorry, this is a comment. I told you there would be comments. Um, this is a tip from Walter. I use milk jugs filled with cement as weights. They do not mar the wood. It's simply cut out a slot away from the handle and fill. And keep the milk jug handle, keep the milk jug handle on the milk jug. Okay, so you have a nice handle for the weight. What he's talking about is you know, we were just talking about the jointing process there. Um, when he's jointing, and I'm assuming also when he's weighing them down on the joining board to connect the two pieces, I have all these big heavy weights here, which I just kind of happen to have around the shop. Uh, if you don't have something like that, what Walter's recommending is cut the top off of a empty milk jug and fill it up with sand and leave the handle of the gallon jug on there. I think that's a great idea. Thank you, Walter. Okay, and now we got a question. And this is from Ryan Horn. How long does it usually take you to build a guitar from start to finish? Oh boy, this is always a tough question to answer. Um, and I'll answer it two ways, because usually when people ask this, they're trying to gauge for themselves how long it's going to take them to build a guitar. And my answer will like my situation will likely be very different from yours, especially if you're a new builder and you don't have a 
you know, your shop all set up and everything like that. So for me, I don't actually log my time. So this is just kind of a sense of what I get if uh, from all the guitars I've built, just kind of feeling it out. I would say anywhere between 200 to 500 hours. And that's a pretty big range right there. And that's because the range of things I can do with a build is nearly infinite. So on a really simple build, you know, very bare bones guitar, I might put about, I think, 200 hours in. On something more complicated, it would be up towards 500. And honestly, I'm sure I've spent quite a bit more than 500 hours on some really crazy guitars. I can think of them right now. And, uh, you know, guitars that, that have basically haunted me <laughs> for years because, um, also just from a overall time span perspective, a build for me can take, uh, can be, you know, sitting around the shop for anywhere from about two and a half months to two years. So Partially that's because life and other projects get in the way and sometimes things kind of end up on the back burner. So when you're considering your own builds too and how long they're going to take, that's something to think about. You know, there's a lot of things that can and will happen that will put your project on the back burner and that can really extend the time out. Okay. Um, now for a new builder... You have to research everything. Uh, you might take an online course like mine. You might be having to, you know, invest in all the tooling and the equipment or at least some of it up front. And of course, you'll probably be using less expensive or simpler tooling than I have right now or than a fully outfitted shop would have. So that 200 to 500 hours would be several times more. Uh, just from talking to other students in the online course, and there's over 500 students now in the online course, so I get a pretty good idea. I don't talk to all of them, of course. It's a lot of people. But uh, just from the ones I do talk to in the members forum and in other places, I get a sense that the average first-time build takes about a year. Some students, I've noticed, get it done in as little as three months. But the average, because again, life gets in the way and, you know, having to research and buy tools and things like that, the average takes about a year, it seems. And some people take longer than that, two years. And that's fine as well. Um, it's, it's just that there's a lot of different things you can do to a guitar and... There's also a lot of variance based on how much experience you have and how much tool tooling you have. So that's it. I, I hope that helps. I'd, lo I'd actually love to hear other people who have some experience in guitar making. You know, maybe it's your third guitar or something like that. How, how long does it take you guys? I'd love to hear that, actually. Okay, let's move on to the next question which actually the remaining questions are tips from the audience. So this comes from Steve O'Collin. I'm just now working on a 1940 00 style. Quilted cherry back and sides, yellow cypress top. 
I thought I might try torrified maple for the binding. You cannot bend anything that has been that has been torrified, he says. It just breaks, so he switched to black walnut. Thank you for that. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know that about torrified wood. That, I mean, it makes sense with what the wood is going through that it becomes brittle and it it just can't survive the stress of bending. Now, there's no reason to bend to use torrified wood for binding, you know, uh, as we talked about in the last episode of DIY guitar making, where I talked a lot about torrified wood. The whole purpose of torrefaction is one for stability and two for tone. You're boiling out those oils and organic compounds to make the wood basically lighter and more brittle, which makes it more responsive doesn't matter for your binding, and it also doesn't matter for the sides. So there's no reason to bend it, although I'm sure, I'm sure he didn't get it. He didn't buy, purchase torrified wood in order to use it for the binding. Uh, he, he probably had it around and just thought, hey, this will work. But that's good to know because other people will likely end up in that same situation where they have what they have and they think, well, I can cut this down into thin strips and bend it and just use this for my binding. Don't do that. Or... So says Steve O'Collin. Don't bend torrified wood. That is interesting and it makes sense that it would break. All right. Sam Bowman writes, An old cabinet builder taught me a trick about glue squeeze out several years back. You can take a simple drinking straw with either open, e with either open end against the corner of your piece and run it along the corner to scoop up the squeeze out. It will conform to the square corner and a simple wipe of a rag afterwards and your corner will be clean. Afterwards, a mash and pull with your fingers and your straw has been cleared out, cleaned out for reuse over and over. Cutting a small angle on the end of the straw works even better. What's funny about this is one of my students uh, two, two or three years ago, Vincent Arnold, if you're out there, uh, he took my course and he mentioned this little trick. And uh, honestly, uh, I'm ashamed to say I never actually tried it, but this is the second time I'm hearing about it. And it sounds like it is a great idea. So I'd, I, you know what? I'm going to try that pretty soon on one of my next builds, taking a straw, cutting a little angle into the end and just using that to scoop up the squeeze out. And then on each glue up after you're done, just nip the end off the straw and you're good to go for the next one. I'd imagine it would work really well. So that's the second time I heard it. That validates it a little bit more for me. It's a great idea. Thanks, man. Okay. That's it. That's our questions slash comments for the day. Why don't we do some fret slotting? Let's go do that. If you enjoyed this and you learned something here, please subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you are enjoying this on at the moment. And if you want to really learn more, take one of my structured online courses at ericschaferguitars.com. Or you can register for a hands-on guitar building workshop here with me in Burnville, Pennsylvania. Bye for now.